Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everybody, to the Armor Report. Thanks for being here. I'm your host, Brett Rosenthal. This is a show about stock market investing. Um, it's a holiday-shortened week, so this will be our only show for the week. And what I'm going to reveal for you today is rule number two out of my playbook on how to buy stocks right where to find the right entry point. Now, before I get there, let's just go over some ground rules. Armor Report, Armor stands for Algorithmic Risk Management Research. This is a show about stock market investing. It's quantumental investing is what I like to call it, where we take quantitative analysis, computer learning, and our proprietary algorithms for execution, and we combine that with a fundamental foundation. And that's how we create an information edge that I share with you and I use my own portfolio. This is not a recommendation for you to run out there and buy stocks, right? I don't know you. I don't know what your risk tolerance is. You've got to figure that out on your own. We do have four portfolios we manage through interactive brokers. But what we do is we sit down, we chat with somebody who wants to work with us and find out what the risk tolerance is and what portfolio is appropriate for them. But for today, this is for educational purposes. I'm going to share with you right out of my playbook how I manage my own capital, how do I buy a stock. Okay? Now, what we want to get to first is just some cleaning up chores from last week's conversation. Those of you who were watching the um, Friday video, our week in review, I want to go over a couple quick things and then we'll get to the topic today about how to buy stocks right. Rule number two from my playbook. Um, first things first, told you last week for my aggressive accounts, I was hedging my risk by shorting the small cap index. Okay? Just to go over that again, we have four different indexes, or I should say portfolios we manage in interactive brokers. Conservative, balanced, aggressive, and index only. For our aggressive portfolios, where we had the most amount of risk, because let's be honest, the market's going up, so we have the biggest exposure there. We're not carrying cash. We short every now and then the small cap index to hedge our big cap ideas. So let's go to the proverbial videotape. Okay, there's a picture of the small cap index. And what I told you was I'd be shorting in there to hedge risk. And if we broke out above the top of that channel, I would cover my short. I don't feel like I need to be hedged at the moment. Okay. So first thing today, first order of business, hedge has been taken off, took the hedge off 
within the first 15 minutes of trading today. Okay, and I think we can change this right now. You can see up in the top corner here, the bull and the bear are fighting. Certainly, there's no fight going on right now. The bull has taken over. Okay. So quick review. What did our algorithms tell us weeks ago? Probably, I don't know, two, two months ago now. What I've been saying to you is we got some um, conflicting reports out of our proprietary algorithms. The big indexes are telling us the market's going higher. The sub indexes are telling us we don't know. So there's no confluence. So I'm not willing to get aggressive and, and, and max out every portfolio as much as I can. But what I am doing is I'm buying where the algorithms are telling us is the strongest opportunity, the big cap indexes. And so we focused our attention on dividend payers in the big cap space. And so we're making money. Market's going up. We make money. But as of today, that breakout in small caps would suggest that this rally is going to accelerate right to year end. Now, we don't know what's going to happen. This whole thing could reverse and implode by the end of the day, and I might have my hedges back on. So, again, this is why this is educational. I'm not telling you what to do because you don't know how I trade, and you don't, your, your risk tolerance is not the same as mine, okay? But it is um, a good guide watching our algorithms to tell us how aggressive we can be and what's the market doing. So in my portfolio with my ideas, what I'm doing today is adding to some of my best positions in a pyramid up type of thing. So as I make money, I feed, you know, I do the feed me Zeke thing. I feed my best positions and I reduce positions that are hitting stop losses, right? So then I get out of the losers and increase exposure to the stocks that are working and collect those yields as those stocks go up. So that's my approach right now. Of course, if you enjoy this conversation at all, give me a thumbs up. It helps me out. All right, let's take it down for now. Let's focus. Um, okay, let's get some cannabis discussions out of the way before we get to this rule. It's stock market investing secrets right out of my playbook. I'm going to share rule number two with you. Before I get there, let's go over cannabis. It's one of our favorite investment themes. That does not mean we ride the stocks down all year long, right? So those of you who have been here with me for a while know we exited these positions at the end of May. We've taken our shot in October, exited again. Now we're taking a shot again. We talked about that on Friday. We're beginning to take some exposure. So a couple of our favorite ideas on the whiteboard. As you know, Charlotte's Web is always one of our favorites. Um, because it's really not a cannabis play. It's just a consumer packaged goods play. Okay? And there are some short-term events between now and the end of March that we think will be a positive for this industry. Things like um, the FDA will come out with some type of ruling on hemp CBD packaging. Any type of ruling is positive for this company. But the company announced the secondary today, and it priced it, and it's done. I think they raised $66 million or something to help with expansion. So whenever a company announces a secondary, for those of you who are new to this um, process, of, process of investing, whenever you 
see a company announce a secondary stock immediately trades off. Why? Supply demand, right? There's more supply in the market. Price goes down. That's the initial reaction. Canadian deals are different than U.S. deals. Usually a U.S. deal, they announce a secondary, they go on a roadshow, the stock trades down on average 15%. Um, then they go on a roadshow, talks to institutions. Usually it's a good thing. They talk about some pretty promising growth going forward, and that's why they're raising the money. The stock starts to go up. Canada is a little different. They have bought deals. Concord Genuity bought the deal, and then they 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 um, um, place it with their institutional investors. Um, so it all happens at once. Bang. Price drops. Deal's done. They tell you what the price is going to be. Uh, and it's somewhere – I think it's um, – I have to take a look at it again. I think Canadian, it was 12 and change Canadian, I think. Right now it's trading around 13. So the sell-off should have just taken place. It just completed. Bang. Um, if I like a company a lot and they raise capital to expand to address a growing market, that's usually a positive for me. I'm not telling you what to do with your money. I'm just saying for me personally, if I already like the investment, they do a secondary and the stock sells off on a secondary. I love those entry points. Okay. That's just for me. Just telling you what I do, my own money. If it's a company I like and they do a secondary and raise capital for growth, um, that's generally a good place for an entry point. Could be today, could be over the next couple of weeks. It'll just bottom out here, set up support because Concord Genuity is out there talking to institutions saying, this is why you want to own more of the stock. Also, don't forget the company said they're going to be listing on a major U.S. exchange in the near future. So that'll just open up the investment process to more institutions and more investors. So over time, that's a positive. Moving on, Organogram, we all know the earnings announcement was going to be terrible. They made the announcement today, and what I always say is the reaction to the news is more important than the news for me. So right now the stock is really flat. It's up two cents. It was up about six percent off the open, um, and these stocks are selling off, you know, as they have been for a while now. So if a bottom's being put in place, nobody knows, guys. Nobody knows. I keep hearing people say tax law selling, but really, haven't people done that already? <laughs> and they've been destroyed. So I'll be surprised if there's more tax law selling. But who knows? There could be. So we have to just wait and see. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll find out if a bottom is being put in or if these stocks want to go lower. I am going to address at the end of this call today some subscriber questions. You guys were asking me about stop losses and stop targets. And I'll go over that at the end here. All right. Let's, um, let's move on. I want to get to the topic today. Stock market investing secrets right out of my playbook. Now, I shared with you rule number one. And I'm just going to go over it real quick again by reviewing charts. Okay, so... Let me take a look here. Rule number one about buying dividend stocks as they come down, right? So let's look at AT&T. 
This is what I discussed with you before. I said what we look for when we're buying dividend payers is a blue chip, com- chip company, stocks down dramatically, sets up a bottom reversal. We look for the bottom, the reversal. We buy the first pullback. If it holds above the lows, we're in, and we let the process run. Okay? That's how we buy it. Looks like that. AbbVie is another example. Right? So if the reason for the big sell-off we think is transitory, then we look for the bottom, we put the position on, we lock in the yield. Give you another example of that. Something that hasn't gone up like this yet is Invesco. Right? So there's Invesco. Huge sell-off, double bottom on a massive scale. And then let's blow up the picture. So you got a big double bottom and a little double bottom, and the stock is starting to head higher. Okay? This is, um, you know, something like a 7.8 or 8% yield. Okay? And we think it's a transitory. It's sold off. People didn't like the fact that they're losing assets. They made a major acquisition. We think that acquisition will work for them. We're locking in a yield, and we have our stock, and the stock goes up. Okay, so that's rule number one, how to buy stocks correctly, right out of my playbook. You look for a blue chip company. You wait for it to sell off aggressively on, on, on re, for reasons that we feel are short-term in nature. You look for management to make a new change, whether it be an acquisition that helps them out, whether it be um, uh, paying down debt. Whatever the case, you look for that opportunity. Then you look for the right entry point using quantitative analysis, double bottoms and the like. So now I'm going to share with you rule number two. Let's look at Disney. Okay. So you have your, hopefully, your pen and your piece of paper out. And you're writing down these notes. So you can do this on your own. I know some of you out there are doing it. Right? We had a subscriber, you know, alert us to Philip Morris. Right? Brilliant. Absolutely correct. Stock down dramatically. The vaping crisis bottomed the stock. You either buy in the green box or you buy the first pullback to the green box. Okay? Right in here. And you lock in your yield, and now the stock's trading above the 200-day moving average. Okay, here's rule number two, Disney. Okay. What we're looking for, I'm going to go to the weekly chart for a second. Huge base, 2015 to 2019. Major change that blows it out of the base. You don't have to be early, guys. You don't have to be early. Okay? I'm not telling you to buy inside the base and get the gap up. You can, but that's not the discussion today. Rule number two is a little different. We identify a major change in a company. Let me say that again. We identify a major change in a blue chip company or a smaller company that blows it out of the base. 
and that puts it on our watch list. We don't chase it. We don't run after it. You know me. I don't like to buy stocks as they're running higher. So what I do every morning is I have a quantitative program that I built. It's simple. Anybody could build it. Okay? But it identifies for me, based on the criteria that I care about, every stock that day that looks like Disney right here. Okay? In other words, consolidated base, blowing out gap up. All right? Then what I do is I research the reason for the blowout. If I believe it's legitimate, if there's something really there, it goes on my whiteboard, at the bottom of the whiteboard, and I just leave it alone and I watch the stock and I let it run. And for rule number two, what you want to do is buy – now write this down – buy the first pullback to the 50-day or the 200-day moving average. That's what you want to do. Your stop loss is obvious. It's whatever that moving average is within a certain percentage. So it's obvious and not obvious. You can't just be shaken out if it goes below the moving average. But that's going to be another lesson for another day. We'll call that stop loss 2.0, and we'll explain how we do that. But for the sake of this conversation, if the stock blows out because of something great, in the case of Disney, it was so obvious Right with Disney Plus, it was just a no-brainer. So I'm not chasing the run. Let's go look at it again. I don't buy it the day that news comes out. It runs up. I don't have to chase it. It comes all the way back down a couple months later, right to that price. See that? Just a, basically a little bit above this black line's the 200-day moving average. It sets up a double bottom, and we get long right in that double bottom right in here. See that? And then our stop is very tight. It should not take out this, this price area. And of course it does, and then it blows out. So let's take a look. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you now a couple ideas that just came out of um, our, our algorithm it's a basic algorithm. I'm not, please don't listen to me and think this is some MIT type of, you know, uh, computer coding that has to go on. This is simple. But we came up with a, a screen, let's call it a stock screen. Anyone can do it to show us all stocks that look like this. And I'm going to show you two names that look like Disney in one aspect or another. I'll explain. It doesn't mean I'm running and buying them right away. You have to look at the chart pattern, and I'll show you why this is on our whiteboard. Okay? Here we go. So <clears throat> these two charts I'm going to show you, I absolutely love because they are what I call, what anyone calls who's an, an analyst of, of technical origin, is an island reversal. Okay? If you look right here, that green box is an island. The price gapped down on disappointment and then gaps up on an activist investor announcement and positive uh, developments in the company. Now, you can literally buy that gap up because 
let's be honest. Uh, island reversals of this magnitude are pretty are pretty impressive on a stock, and they usually lead to higher prices, as it does here. It just rockets higher. But even if you don't want to pay for the gap up, you let it run, and you buy the first pullback to the 200-day moving average. And you have to look at chart patterns. It's not as simple. I wouldn't buy this first move to the 200-day. I wait for it to set up. Okay, so I'm just going to share with you somewhere in here, I'm buying the stock. This is not, this is, this is, guys, right now I'm just sharing with you a rule and a lesson of how to do this. I'm not telling you to run out there and buy Cerner. I'm just showing you how this works. So with our Armor Report stock screener, this idea popped out. You know, last April. Okay? It goes on the whiteboard. In a specific section of the whiteboard that we call, let's, for the lack of a better term, you know, gap ups on news that we care about. That's the section of the whiteboard. And then we start following the stock. We start doing research. We get comfortable with the story. And we wait for our shot. And when it comes back to that 200-day and sets up a bottom, that's when you put the position on. Okay, so somewhere, somewhere in here, you know, you guys have to figure that out for yourself. We all trade differently. Okay, but somewhere in there is where you want to put this position on. Now, let's go to another example just to wrap it up. Okay, it's another example. Now you got Biogen. Here's the weekly chart of Biogen. That's a huge island reversal again. There's your island. Okay. Disappointment craters it. Major positive announcement captures a bunch of short sellers down there, and it captures a bunch of guys who wanted to be long and missed it and they're upset. So they go jump and you get this Island reversal. If it's a real story and it's a real good, in this case, Alzheimer's drug that works, what ends up happening is that the stock will never close that gap. So you could buy the stock right in here if you wanted. Okay. You could, buy, you could buy the stock right in here if you want. It's a nice little double bottom, okay? But for the sake of this conversation, what I'm talking about now is putting this on the whiteboard and doing our own research. That might entail reading some white papers about the Alzheimer's drug. Uh, it might entail talking to management, reading research reports, whatever it is that you like to do to get comfortable with an idea. And what we'll do now is it, it might run away, but if we're patient, it'll set up that bottom. Could be two, three, four months from now. It'll come right down and test. It'll be the 50 or the 200 day, depending on the market environment you're in and the type of stock. The bigger the stock, usually the 200 day moving average is where it sets up. If it's a mid to smaller cap stock, it may be the 50-day moving average where it sets up. So to, to, to finish up here, 
the rule that we follow. Okay. Rule number two, find a stock screener that you like. Sometimes they're, you can find them, you know, pre prearranged already created in some research tool that you use where you identify gap ups and you look for reasons for the gap. It needs to be significant. You put it on the watch list. You do your fundamental analysis. And when it comes down into that support area, the 200, the 50, you look for the setup. You put your position on. You have your stop in place, and you leave it alone. Some of them rocket higher. Some get stopped out. It's okay. The ones that rocket higher, you look for a higher price. You, you look to add to it. And you cut your losses right away. So now let's go and wrap up this discussion with uh, questions from uh, some subscribers that you guys had on the last call. One of you guys asked me about stop losses. Do I use it on every position? Absolutely yes. The biggest reason I use stop losses on every position, I've been doing this 30 plus years, and I can tell you the biggest impediment to increasing your net worth over time is your own ego. So to control that ego, you've got to put stop losses in place. I don't care if I think an investment's the greatest idea in the world. You know why I don't care? Because the market doesn't care either. The market doesn't care what I think. This is not about our ego. It's not about being right. It's about making money and protecting capital. All we can do is get on the right side of probability and statistics, put capital to work when the reward's worth the risk, and then step aside and let the market show us what, what it wants to, uh, um, to uh, ev how, what, what, how it's going to evolve. I don't know what's going to happen on any position I take. God knows that's true in the cannabis stocks this year. And if I wasn't using stops, I would be wiped out. It would be an absolute embarrassment. I think cannabis investment's a great idea long term, but God knows it was not a good idea in 2019. So without stop losses, I could have forced my will on the market, and I would have been carried out in a body bag. All I could do is the research and the work to come up with investment ideas, but I've got to use stops to protect me from myself. Sometimes it's true. I'll have to buy a stock back higher. I get stopped out. I got to buy it back higher. It happens. It happens. The way to avoid that, two things you can do. One, Work on your entry point. Make sure you're buying stocks correctly. If you use stop losses, but your buy criteria is wrong, you're going to get stopped out constantly. And that doesn't work either. So the best way to do that is by weakness to key levels of support. So you know what the right stop should be. Okay? If you're chasing stocks in the midst of excitement, and you think a stop loss is going to help you? No. No. The mistake there is buying excitement. Okay? 
But if you buy right and you incorporate stop losses, it's the best way to protect yourself and still capture upside when you're correct. The other question somebody asked, a subscriber asked, do I ever use targeted exits? So just in case I'm not at the desk and the stock is going up, do I ever sell it on the upswing? Never. I never use targeted exits. With the exception of day trading, if I'm day trading, I have targeted exits, but the algo does that on its own. So I'm not involved in that. Um, so I don't... Um, I don't ever use targeted exits. I like to ride my winners as long as I possibly can. And so I might use stepped up stop losses. I think the question was in a dividend payer, would I let the stock go all the way up and come all the way back to break even and collect dividends as long as I can? Sometimes I do, depends on the asset. Sometimes the asset goes up so much that you could argue I just collected five years worth of dividends in capital appreciation. So it would be silly to let it go all the way back to where I bought it. So I might step up my stop losses, but I would do it with a lot of cushion. I wouldn't make that stop too tight because I really just want to keep collecting that dividend. But there will be obvious points on the way up where I say, okay, I got to raise my stop here and wall off my risk. And then at that point, you can really sleep well at night. It's like you're collecting your yield, you're guaranteed a profit, all right. Just let it go. So I hope that answers your question. I don't like targeted exits because, quite frankly, um, you know, on a long-term investment where I'm collecting a yield, what would be the right target? I, I, it doesn't even make sense to me, a targeted exit. You're just picking a point at where you think the valuation is, is too great. I mean – the, the, the stock market's littered with valuations that are too great that get even greater. And companies you, you think are great, the valuation you think is perfect, and it goes lower. So that doesn't, you can't come up with valuations. You can come up with maybe some statistical algorithms that tell you your three standard deviations away from maybe an average, and that's just as high as the stock ever goes. And so maybe you kick some out at three standard deviations above an average. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's just not something I do. I'd rather have trailed stops because sometimes investments go hyperbolic, and I want to be there for that. So if I have a trailed stop and it you know, goes into the stratosphere, I can raise my stop up and just keep collecting. All right? So anyway, guys, I hope that was helpful. Hope you guys have a great turkey day. Have a great week. Be safe out there. Enjoy the rise in the market. Go out and maybe hit some golf balls, have some fun. Take a break this week, all right? See you guys on the other side.